Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Sale Ring Podcast Show. Trina, how are you? I am amazing. The Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl tomorrow. Nope, two days from now. Sorry, two days. You're getting Saturday. overly excited about the Chiefs you going know, to the Super Bowl. We all got to get excited about something, Sean. Yeah, who are they playing? Uh, no, I'm just joking. They're playing like, the 49ers. Uh, the, the, uh. <laughs> Oh, we I was got trying a great, to get San Francisco out of my mouth. Sorry. We got a good opportunity. I actually think they can beat the 49ers. So I'm pretty pumped up about that. Yeah, me too. We've got a great show. A good friend of ours, uh, Mr. Van Bays, uh, is going to visit with us a little bit about um, cattle ranching and about Texas and, and just all things great. Uh, Van's down in Bowie, Texas. Mr. Van Bays, are you with us? Yes, sir. We're here today. Yeah. How are you? It is a beautiful springtime day here. We've had a nice open winter, and it's probably 70 degrees, and the sun is shining, so it's a great day. Wow. I'm jealous. Yeah. It's a little chilly up here still. I, I went to lunch a while ago, and when we came out, it, uh, it was a combination of, of rain and, and a little bit of like sleet, a little bit of pellets coming down earlier. So it'd be a nice day to be in Bowie, Texas. Yes. Yes, sir. So how's uh, how's life down there, Van? It's uh, it's been a while since we've spoken. You and I have gotten to know each other through real estate and even the oil and gas business. We've had some conversations around that, but uh, we haven't seen each other for a few months. So how have you been? Been doing good. It's uh, I tell you, we, the Texas market has uh, been remarkable. We've had uh, phenomenal growth. Uh, when I was going through my real estate classes in Fort Worth. They were indicating that uh, that was happening because of our friendly tax structure and businesses in Texas, uh, that we were getting an influx of uh, businesses coming from uh, both West Coast uh, and also from the Northeast because of the favorable, more favorable weather and uh, the taxes and the availability of land uh, here. So it has been the, my last two years, we've seen tremendous growth. Everything's bigger in Texas, uh, including the population, right? It's, yeah. it's increasing right. as and, we speak. And then even including uh, here in Bowie, Texas, we have the Guinness World Record, world's largest Bowie knife. Is that right? Well, yes, I, would, I would hope so. I mean, you would hope Bowie, Texas would have the world's largest Bowie knife, right? <laughs> yes, we did. We we got that completed about two years ago. Now gotta, we've we've had conversations about large items in the past on this show. How large of a Bowie knife is this thing? Twenty feet six inches. Oh my God. Again, I'm thinking like I don't know, a foot and a half or something like not not no. twenty foot. Twenty feet. That's going to take a large pocket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you start working on a giant sheath for it, right? <laughs> Yes, that's right. Yeah, that I, uh, is true. I read a report that was sent the other day uh, from 1997 to 2017. So it's a 10-year span. Texas, the population increase out there of 48%. That's significant, my yeah. friend. That's a lot of population yeah. that's moving into that state. Right. The uh, Texas lands trend, uh, they put out a report 
oh, about every 20 years. And they do some updates on it, but the latest one was the reporting time was from 1997 to 2017. And, uh, and as you mentioned there, our, we've had a total population growth of 48%. The population growth for the top 25 counties in the state of Texas, which would be our North Texas region, the Austin, San Antonio, is an 86% increase in population. And we've got 25 growing counties. We've had like a 56% growth in that. Tell your friends you get your information on the Sail Ring Podcast Show. Do you have kind of an idea of where most of that population is migrating from? Are there select regions or states in the U.S. or outside of the U.S. that the population is coming in from? We're seeing a large uh, number of businesses and individuals moving from uh, from California uh, back into the state of Texas. And uh, one thing is for jobs, uh, job opportunities. And then, uh, you know, what they're also realizing when they start moving here is the real estate prices uh, oh, yeah. are more affordable in Texas than they were in, uh, in California, where they had a concentration, a more concentration of population there and density. Yeah. Interesting. And how's that impacting, you know, industry out there? And I guess the industry that you're most relevant in is that farmer stockman kind of rural ranching and agricultural industry. How's that population growth affecting that that industry? Yeah, we've only seen just a small 8% growth in our farming and ranching. But as, you know, as Texas is continuing its explosion in the population over the last 30 years, We've seen a huge increased demand for rural lands, particularly within those urban areas that we discussed. Uh, we have a significant influence of uh, rising land values, changing ownership size, and ultimately the continued loss of working lands at a disproportionate rate compared to other rural counties. So explain that just a little bit about the loss of working land. What do you mean by that? The land that was uh, traditionally used to either for grass and for cattle to graze on or farmland, uh, a lot of the, the, the area around the Dallas-Fort Worth area was good blackland soil, was uh, hay production, wheat, corn. That is uh, subdivisions, houses, hospitals, yeah. and homes now. No longer in agricultural production to produce a crop. So it's, uh, it's the attack of the urban sprawl, right? Yes, that's it. You know, just uh, in this uh, small seven counties that surround me right now, uh, crop lands have uh, decreased by almost 62,000 acres. Uh, Grazing land has decreased by 43,000 acres. And uh, the interesting thing out of all of that, though, the one, the other increase that we have had is in wildlife management areas. Uh, The acreage has increased over 31,000 acres in just this seven-county area. Is that just the government stepping in and just setting aside land? No, uh, this is all. Texas is uh, the largest state uh, that has privately owned. 86% of the land in the state of Texas is privately owned. Mm -hmm. The recreational wildlife management acres I'm talking about or people that are coming in, putting up a high fence, uh, putting a lodge, putting a hunting uh, facilities on there, 
Uh, you know, you get the concentration of uh, people in a large metropolitan area. They want something to do. They want recreation. So there's a large demand, uh, and we're seeing these uh, wildlife management areas come in where people come out, spend the weekends, do some hunting, do some shooting, clay targets, just a, a very wide variety of activities for them. So you mentioned seven counties that you kind of work in, live around, and operate in. What seven counties? Just name a few of those counties to put this into a geographical perspective. All right. It's going to be, uh, I'm talking about kind of the Tarrant County, Denton County, Wise County, Cook County, Montague, and uh, Jack. So when you see that kind of an influx in, in wildlife management and gaming activities, does that have a lot to do with geography and things that are, you know, kind of present in nature, you know, uh, in weather patterns and, you know, is it the right kind of terrain, right kind of uh, forage out there? Do you get, you know, an adequate amount of rain? Are there reasons why that that's fairly prevalent in that immediate area? Yes. You know, I think a lot of it is uh, we're just the more of the blackland farmland I was talking about is kind of from uh, the Dallas and east and a little bit north up and through there. When you get uh, north and west of the Dallas area uh, in Fort Worth, uh, Stephenville, up and through uh, this uh, towards Wichita Falls, you've got more of a rolling prairie uh, terrain, uh, more native grasses, more forages like that, less farmland. And so it's very conducive for wildlife habitat through here. Very good. Very good. Well, it sounds like that that's going to have some impact on uh, land values, on property values. I assume that um, if they're doing that consistently, they're not doing it at a loss repeatedly. There must be something that's strengthening the value of, of the property from the acquisition cost out there to where they can operate and even divest of that in the future. It's going to kind of hedge their bets and, and increase the value of the property. Right. We've seen a continuous increase in the values. Uh, uh, you know, the, the closer you get to the Metroplex, a little bit more, but just through this seven county area uh, in the last uh, three to five years, we've seen over a $2,500 increase per acre in, wow. in that in those acreage. You know, and it's uh, that wildlife management areas increase in these recent years. And right now we've got over 94,000 acres uh, increase in that's a great opportunity for our real tree uh, marketing of our wildlife and, and hunting properties. Huh. Very good. Looks like it's going to continue. They're uh, projecting, you know, it by 2050 that Texas is projected to uh, support upwards of uh, 40 million people wow. in our total residency at that time. Is that right? Yes, how, sir. How many, like, what percentage of that is like the whole American population? What's the American population? Oh, you know, I don't know, but it's a, I bet that's a pretty big, uh, yeah. a pretty it's substantial a large, percentage yeah. of them, though. That's crazy. Forty million. Yes. Yeah, it is. You know, our land values, uh, just kind of a comparison. In 1997, the average land value in Texas was four hundred ninety nine dollars an acre. <laughs> uh, in 2017, it's uh, nineteen hundred an acre. Uh, we've had like a 291% increase in land values over the last 20 years. Wow. And in this, this region right here, our top 25 populated counties, uh, that average price per acre is over $6,000 uh, an acre. It's uh, had, a lot, had, a, had a lot of growth, but 
knowing the majority of that is just demand for real estate, for investment, for developments, not just agriculturally based. That bay is pretty well held steady. In 1997, they showed that it was $83 an acre based on just agricultural production. Today, that's at $89 an acre. So this proves that the value is based on the needs for the land uh, for both recreational and for housing. I assume with that kind of a population growth, you're seeing a lot of diversification in the land also. Uh, Some of these farming areas across the country would have traditional farming operations where maybe they they grew wheat or they grow corn or soybeans. And, you know, anytime you you have that much population, you're going to have a lot of diversity in a marketplace. You tend to see a lot of other farming strategies coming to light where they're now raising, you know, sunflowers and canola and, and you know, they're, they're trying uh-huh. different crops and, and different tactics out there to maximize uh, the profits of that land. Yes, that's true. You know, in this the area we're in right now, we don't have that many uh, uh, production crops. It's mainly uh, uh, a little bit of wheat country through here, but the majority of it is in the livestock and, and cattle production. So our, you know, our, our cattle producers were, we have a larger population, not only in the Texas, in the U.S., but worldwide that we're trying to feed uh, with uh, smaller uh, acreages of land to do that on. So, our, you know, as our beef industry as a whole, we've done tremendous jobs in uh, being able to produce more with uh, fewer acres of land. It, in our cattle industry, we pretty well follow a 10 to 12 year cycle. Cattle numbers get low and we get lower in tonnage beef and, and then we get some higher prices. Uh, the cattle industry is more profitable. So people start retaining their heifers back to build more cows. Well, that puts less beef available on the market. So those prices go up. We uh, increase our cattle numbers and oversaturate. Then it goes back down again. So you can pretty well follow uh historically somewhere around a 10 to 12 year cycle of highs and lows on that. But, you know, the, um, what we've been able to do, our average carcass weights of livestock today is 904 pounds. Uh, that's an animal after it's harvested in pounds of meat that are available. A year ago, that average was 883 pounds. So you can say, well, that's only a 21 pound increase in, uh, in slaughter weights. But we kill 530,000 head of cattle per week. So that's over 11 million uh, pounds per week that we've been able to increase with just a, a, a better efficiency in genetics and care of the livestock. That's a lot of cattle. Yeah. So that's a lot of cattle. That's a lot of freezers full of hamburger right there. You have your always a wealth of information, Van. I'll tell you what, we're going to slip away. We're going to hear from our sponsors. Uh, Take a little short break. We'll be back in just a few minutes, and I want to hear more about the cattle industry with Mr. Van Bays. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out auctiontime.com. Buying great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at auctiontime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday, so register and start bidding today auctiontime.com the way to buy heavy equipment crude oil natural gas coal 
Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? UnitedCountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to UnitedCountry.com and find your freedom. So, Van, during break, we were talking about how, because you're very educated in the livestock and the cattle industry. I find it kind of fascinating how you got in that industry and what really attracted you to it. And I think our listeners would find that uh, kind of interesting, too. How did, how did you get started with, uh, with the livestock? Well, my family, my, my uncles, cousins, uh, we've, our whole family's kind of been involved in the cattle industry for years. And uh, I had an active role in it. And when I was growing up, well, I'd go to the sale barns and try to buy two or three calves at a time and turn out on the pasture and watch those. And then uh, later, I had an opportunity to go to work uh, in a feed yard in the Panhandle. Of, there's a little over 30,000 head feed yard. I uh, started working there. And, and I'll tell you, you know, in, uh, in a one-year period of time, you'll see more cattle and more experience than most people see in a lifetime in a cattle operation with those, uh, that rollover of cattle coming in from all different states and, and marketing those livestock. So I got a, a good experience there, started working out just as a cowboy in the pens, then started the uh, doctoring of the livestock in charge of animal health, and uh, finished up my career in the feedlot as manager of the 30,000 head feed yard, buying, selling wow. cattle, the commodities, uh, marketing, uh, keeping up with the futures and cattle markets that way. And that just kind of dovetailed over into I was managing the yard and uh, a local bank in town approached me about going to work for them. And I said, I, you know, I had my animal science degree with an accounting uh, from Texas A&M, but uh, I never had didn't have any banking experience. And they said, well, we we've got a feed yard financed and we don't know anything about cattle. We'll teach you the finance part. So that's kind of when I changed careers and. Spent the last 35 years in a bank financing primarily cattle in the cattle operations. Had a customer base from South Texas all the way to uh, Casper, Wyoming. Um, We primarily just focused on those. Uh, I had a a knowledge and we could relate to them and uh, they could understand what we were doing. And so it uh, turned into a wonderful career. Well, I think that right there is uh, epitomizes why you're very good and, and it kind of sought after 
in the banking industry yeah. for um, livestock and ag producers is you lived it. You you understand, yeah. you know, you, you understand the product. You understand, you know, what cattle and what it takes to raise them and death loss and, you know, uh, shipping and, and everything that weighs into that uh, that industry. And that gives a, a guy that's borrowing money. I mean, it's these are strong financial decisions for a lot of people. And if I have a partner in the finance industry that understands the business, too, it gives me a, a certain amount of comfort. Yeah. You know, the, a lot of the large ranches, uh, I don't know if they really wanted my help uh, from the banking side or just the free labor, but uh, we'd go to the large ranching operations. I'd load up my TP and my horses and we'd go and we'd camp out for two weeks, gather and work cattle, drag them to the fire and brand them and vaccinate them. And so I got literally had my hands on every calf as, a, as an inspection. You know, I could write up a real good inspection report. The Sale Ring, online at www.thesaleRing.com. Well, I still think that that's a wonderful asset for the bank, uh, for the client. You know, you are a well-rounded individual. Do you still stay active in the livestock industry? I know you're in the, the banking industry. Do you still raise cattle and market cattle? Yes, sir. I, I still have a cow-calf operation. I uh, have a small registered uh, Angus operation. And then still do, uh, uh, I've got a, a place where I background uh, my own cattle. I'll buy, you know, three, four, five-week cattle, keep them 45, 60 days, uh, background those, and then sell them. Uh, and then also still uh, uh, feed cattle in the feedlot and merchandise my cattle, some of them that way, or just uh, watch the economics and uh, the trends and pick out some opportunities to buy cattle. Is that primarily market cattle, Van, or do you do you get any, any purebred cattle? I have uh, just a real small uh, registered uh, Black Angus operation where I sell uh, sell registered bulls and uh, some breeding cattle, but that's kind of the the smaller part of it. Very good, very good. What's on the horizon? For the U.S. consumers and, and the beef industry, I know that, um, and, and you stay abreast of these markets with China and some of the trade uh, discussions that are going on. What are we looking at uh, on, on the near term, you know, in 2020 and maybe over the next year or two? What do you think that we can expect in the livestock industry? No, I, I, I'm very positive about it. We've, we've kind of been through some uh, downturns and, and like we were discussing earlier, those 10 to 12 year trends, it just happens that way historically. And right now we have liquidated a lot of cows. Part of it was through just a natural age. Part of it was, if you'll remember last year, we had the terrific snowstorms uh, up through the Northern states and then through the Midwest, we had the flooding uh, that we'd lost a significant number of cattle there. So that impacted our cattle numbers to some extent, but just just that typical cycle has happened. And we're starting right now with a lower inventory number of cattle that will be coming in the next year to two years. We're looking at our U.S. consumers. Their expenditures on beef is growing. We had a, a growth of around 3% in 2019, projected for another 2% growth in 2020. So that bodes well for our cattle industry. Then our exports. China, you know, China's the growing giant. Uh, and we just got our trade agreement signed with uh, China. Also, so that, uh, the trade agreement with uh, Mexico and Canada. So that is signed. That that trade agreement's been signed? Yes. 
Yes, sir. It was uh, negotiated back and forth and back and forth and laid around, you know, for uh, finally uh, approval and signatures, but that has happened now. So both of those trade agreements are signed and sealed. Very good. You know, we have some concerns now with the uh, the health issues that are over there. Yeah, it could delay that. some of our expected beef exports to that country. Yeah, but apparently they need it more than anybody because they're out eating bats. They do. Of cow. <laughs> yeah. You know, they had that uh, African swine fever, yeah. that uh, which we've known about for a year, just devastated their uh, their protein over there. Estimated that over half of the hogs over there were, were slaughtered or died due to this disease. And if you take every other country in the world, we could not produce the tonnage of pork to replace what China has lost. So we're going to have to do that through a lot of other means of uh, grains and beef and and poultry to replace that protein loss. You know, China's got over 1.4 billion people. Yeah. So you take it, each one of them ate one ounce of beef. That's a lot of beef. That's a lot of beef. Yes, that's a lot. You know, and the other thing, you know, that we've got right now, the beef industry is doing is uh, we face some challenging times with our new generations. We've got an increased attention on our millennials and our Generation Z consumers. Oh, yeah. Uh, the U.S. beef industry can confidently say that we're providing these consumers with the best beef tasting experience of their lifetime. Through our genetics, uh, through all the breeds of cattle, they've done a tremendous job of improving the eating quality of our meat and also the uh, production of pounds per acre like we discussed a while ago. The U.S. producer, beef producers, have been united in their focus to deliver a high-quality eating experience to consumers for over the last 30 years. And simultaneously, generations of American farmers and ranchers have delivered customers with the most nutritious and affordable food supply in the world. If you look at our food supply here and the prices of it, it's uh, very economical compared to what uh, what other countries have to spend for theirs. Cattle Facts has estimated that the U.S. beef consumer is only working about 12 minutes uh, to pay for one pound of choice beef. So it's very economical for people to buy. You're listening to the Sale Ring Podcast, taking real estate and auction to the next level. Walmart, they have uh, recognized the growing demand that the consumer wants for where did my beef come from? How is it cared yeah, for? What's it doing? Yeah. And uh, they recognize that they want that uh, both that the quality and the, where it comes from. They're currently building a new processing and distribution center. Their base for the genetics is going to be coming from 44 farms. All of the bulls will be coming from there, going out to cattle ranchers. The cattle are all going to be fed at Max 6 feed yard. So they'll have a quality control of where the cattle came from, where the cattle are handled, where they're processed, and then they're going to be processed and distributed out of the new uh, Walmart facility that they're building. Wow. One more way Walmart's taking over the world. <laughs> that's right. Yes, that's right. Amazon will be you know, and, and overall, uh, those factors bode very well for our real estate yeah. industry. We've got larger tracts of lands uh, that are near the metropolitan areas. Uh, those are being subdivided into residential housing. Uh, the sellers of those large tracts are moving further out into rural America. 
to purchase land for both food production and for recreational hunting. So this should keep the real estate industry busy over the next coming years. I'm very excited about our opportunities we have. I couldn't agree with that more. That uh, yeah. you know, we're witnessing that here in uh, Kansas City, where we're based. Mm-hmm. That urban sprawl, if you will, that is exactly what's happening, and it's helping the uh, the farm economy out here. The land prices, and you know, there's a lot of people that are starting to get into unique production, organic, no steroids, no hormone injections. Um, they're they're trying to help uh, purify the, uh, the the meat, uh, beef, poultry, mm-hmm. pork, as much as they can. And, and they're charging a premium for that meat. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, again, it's about diversity and it's about doing things kind of different than possibly dad or granddad or, um, you know, three generations back used to farm or um, conduct their livestock operations. Right. You know, we've seen uh, several producers around here so because we have you know it it won't work for every region but where you have a concentration of population because there's a certain percentage of people that want that niche market of their livestock where did it come from how was it taken care of uh we're seeing some producers around here are marketing that they're raising their calves keeping them putting them on the farm feeding them there taking them to a local processor having them processed and marketing uh, in fact, I'm going to be doing my first ones uh, this next month in February. It'll be nice. some calves that I have raised. Uh, I've had them on pasture. Uh, I've got them on grass and a grain ration right now. So uh, we're we're going to start to marketing a few of, the, of those uh, and, and see how that goes. That's awesome. That's cool. That may be the best tasting beef you've ever had in your life. Well, it, it may be, but I think, well, there's, uh, there's some good beef out there. We've, uh, the industry has done a tremendous job of, you know, we've got our uh, beef quality assurance programs that the ranches are going through. The ranchers and people that work on the ranch have to go through a training process of not only how to care for cattle, but how to uh, keep them healthy. The injections, the shots uh, that they, they receive to prevent them from getting diseases medications that they receive, keeping records on those, cleaning of the instruments. It's a very detailed process that they have to go through. And the majority of our ranchers uh, today are are going through that beef quality assurance program and have that assigned on their their gates of their ranches. And then also when they market their cattle, you'll see that it's got the BQA certification process with them. Van, as always, you are a wealth of information. You know, the only thing I can think of that uh, that may improve the quality, the taste uh, of that beef is, I don't know about you, but here lately, I've been getting a ton of ads about different ways to dry age beef. You know, huh. different types of bags with enzymes in them that help with the process. And, and there's, uh, there's a variety of ways to age and dry age and wet age, um, you know, the beef. And, and steaks in, in preparation, but uh, I had no idea there were that many different ways out there. But Sean, why, how did you get on this mailing list? Because I have never received anything like that in my life. I'll tell you the first place I got on it is I think my phone's <laughs> listening to everything I, I talk yeah. about. I, I, I might start getting them after this conversation. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I watched it, something on TV. They were dry aging meat, and I told my wife, I said, wow, that looks pretty cool. You know, we should figure out how to dry age uh, you know, a, a prime rib or, a, 
you know, just get, go get a big old chunk of meat and, and just figure out how to dry age it ourselves. And, and your Alexa is blinking in the background. I got it. I, I got, got it, it for you. This guy wants to dry age meat. Let's sell him something. <laughs> well, you know, uh, that's really nothing new. Uh, that's the way beef uh, was aged years ago. We didn't have refrigeration units. You went out, you harvested an animal, you hung it up, and it dry aged and hung out there in the tree or the windmill, you know, for weeks until you started eating on it. So uh, it's really nothing new. It's just a, a, a redeveloped concept again. Yeah. Sean, I don't think I told you this, but over Christmas break, he brought up the millennials there for one second, and then he, he swung back away from that conversation. But uh, my son just turned 18. My oldest just turned 18. And over Christmas break, he decided he was going to become a vegetarian, not a vegan, not anything, just a vegetarian. This kid has never not eaten a meal with meat in it in a day of his life. And he tried to just quit meat, cold turkey, all meat, not just beef, not everything. I was like, all right, you know, I'm not buying you your own menu. Like, that's not going to happen. I've got two other kids to feed at my house. That's not happening. So um, he went on this endeavor The next day, the very next day, he added shrimp and chicken back into his menu. And by that weekend, so we're talking maybe three days later, beef was back in his menu as well. That's hilarious. He can't live without it. (laughs) He's been conditioned. And the funniest part of that whole story is that you said he tried to quit eating meat cold turkey. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Maybe not the best way to put that, but yeah, he did. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to hear from our sponsors, and we'll come back and wrap this up with Mr. Van Bays. Stay tuned. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? unitedcountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom. Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Buying great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. 
funny on the break we were talking about um, the decomposition process of meat and dry <laughs> aging. It's what's the quickest way to tenderize meat? Well, you let it rot a little bit, and uh, it's amazing; it'll just fall apart. Um, <laughs> it, it sounds gross, but you go to some of the finest steakhouses in America, and that's exactly what's happening back in the kitchen. Is uh, there's a decomposition process. And at some point, that steak is just ready to go, right? It's a blue ribbon cut. And Van, I've got places that I like to go. You know, one of the places that I I, I think is just a legacy place here in Kansas City, down at the stockyards, is the Golden Ox uh-huh. restaurant. When I went I've to been au- there. when Great I went spot. to auction school years ago, uh, our auction school was right next door. It was in the same building, the Livestock Exchange building that's attached to the Golden Ox. And I'm from Oklahoma, as most of you, uh, most of the listeners know. I like to go to uh, the the, uh, the Cattleman's Restaurant in the Stockyards at Oklahoma City. It's a great place to get a steak. Where's your favorite steak place, man? Ooh, heavy question. Oh, you know, in the Fort Worth area, there's uh, Ruth Chris is really good, uh-huh. and uh, Outback. Uh, Outback they, they serve some really good food. Yes, the Outback is your favorite steak place. You just well, named two chain restaurants. Not my top, but it, it would be in the top five. Yes. Yeah. Oh Lord, come, come visit us in Kansas City, and we'll show you what steak is. I I sure yeah. thought, Van. <laughs> I sure thought that you were going to name a place out there that was this this hole in the wall that we've never heard of. You know that it's, and it's he a little says hard. The to Outback Steakhouse. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, blooming uh, onion uh, and a Perini's, steak. Uh, around Abilene is uh, is a favorite. Also, if I'm out in that area, that's, what was that's the name? Awfully good. Perini's Steakhouse. Perini's. There you go. Uh-huh. Yeah, he does a good job. Um, Skillet Hill in Fort Worth is a great steakhouse. There we go. These sound better than than the Outback yeah. Steakhouse. What about you, Trina? Oh, uh, you know, Texas Roadhouse. No, I'm kidding. Um, I don't know. I, most of the barbecue places have great steaks and ri- I'm more of a ribs and burn-ins kind of person myself than steak. I don't like, I like my steak well done. So I don't like to order it from steakhouses. Gotcha. So if that tells you where I'm at on steak, I prefer to cook it at my house. She enjoys beef jerky. I do. But you like dry aged rub stuff. So it's whatever. It's to each their own, I guess. Yep. It's the that same. You really do like jerky. beef jerky. <laughs> so. What'd you say, Van? I was telling her, I said, I need to send her some beef jerky. I, I travel quite a bit in my pickup. I have what I call a survival pack. I've got beef jerky and crackers. <laughs> nice. nice. I like it. You're ready. That stuff will fit right in the saddlebag, my friend. Yes. Yes, yes. it does. Well, Van, as always, it's uh, it's both a pleasure and uh, a blessing to have you on the show because you're such a wealth of information. We appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy, but uh, thank you for carving out some yeah. time to be on the podcast and how would uh, the listeners get a hold of Mr. Van Bays if they uh, had some more questions about the cattle industry or the banking industry? How do they get in touch with you? Uh, I guess, you know, my email address is uh, V as in Victor Bays, B-A-I-Z-E, at BufordResources.com. That's Buford Resources, B-U-F-O-R-D, Resources.com. Yes, sir. Very good. That'd be a good way. Uh, Phone is 940-366-3000. 
3407. Are you on any social media, Dan? Uh, no, you know, I do some uh, Facebook things, but uh, I don't okay. uh, really have any any uh, social media uh, outlets or anything. Gotcha. Bless your heart. Yeah, keep it simple. Keep I wish simple. I had. Yeah. <laughs> Van, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I want you to uh, enjoy the rest of the day, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. It was an honor and privilege to uh, to share with you, and uh, hope uh, kind of what I covered was uh, informative and will be helpful to someone. It was wonderful. We'll have you back on the show soon, and uh, All right, we, sir. we wish you a good day. Thank you, sir. So, Trina, that conversation about cattle, how many, have you been around cattle in your life? How many no. cows no, have you known? None. Zero. I've known. How many have I known? Yeah. Zero. I used to, when I, all right, so I used to, back in my day, I used to walk to school uphill both ways in the snow. But no, that didn't really happen. Cow. Well, there was a cattle field on the way and I used to take carrots to them sometimes, but that's my entire exposure to cattle. I fed them on my way to school when I was like seven. So, <laughs> so I, I was reading this story about an escaped cow leads police <laughs> on a chase through a Texas neighborhood. Okay, Fort Worth. So uh, that well, makes there you sense go. Because Par for the they course. have in Fort Worth, they have a little mini cattle drive downtown at the yeah. stockyards. Yeah, they so yeah, bring the cattle out and they run them down the street and they put them in another set of pens and it's it's like a daily activity. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize, like, I've been to those stockyards, and I never realized that. They do. So, it's it's uh, it's a tourist kind of a thing, but it's like the three o'clock cattle drive. People come out. So and one of these cows stand got on the away, sidewalk and, I'm imagining. No, I don't know if it's one of those cows. I think those cows pretty much know where their next meal's coming <laughs> yeah. from. So they're just going from trough to trough. But, yeah. Uh, cow jumped a fence in ah. Texas. Lead police and witnesses on a chase down Rodeo Street before being lassoed and brought home. <laughs> on Rodeo Street, they got lassoed and brought home. A one-year-old Brahma cow. Brahma, by the way, they have a tendency to be a little ornery, uh -huh. be a little little wild. But uh, it's your Oklahoma coming out, your ornery. <laughs> it was it was spotted running loose. The owners of the cow. Uh, Daisy said she escaped by jumping over a fence on their property. The police said the cow led them on a chase down Rodeo Street before they eventually cornered and lassoed her <laughs> behind a church. She's just going to pray. Behind the church. <laughs> they brought a trailer in. A one street town here. Like, <laughs> Ida's house is at the end of Rodeo Street, and it, the cow just ran down to the church on the other end of the street. You know you're in Texas if your church <laughs> is on Rodeo Street. Well, there's a street, there's a church in, on every street in Texas, I believe. Okay. I wasn't aware of that. Well, I mean, I wasn't either, honestly, but that's where we're going. So in Kansas City, there was a recent news story, Sean, about a guy that he had done something and he was running from the cops on, along like I-29, a big highway here. And he stops his car, gets out, ends up in a field, and they've got drone footage of this guy. Like they're chasing him with drones, police drones at this point. And the cows in the field start chasing him around the field. Have you seen that? No, but I can it's see how that amazing. would happen. And the guy is terrified, obviously, of cows. Like, they just take two steps towards him, and he goes running off the other way. And the cows ended up, like, corralling the guy, 
to where the police could come and get him. That's hilarious. That guy got chased by cows through a field and caught by cows in a field. Ran to the cops to save him from the cows. Yes. That's, yeah. That's the difference between Kansas City and Texas. That's the, the cows reason run why, away in Texas. And that's the, the reason why we we need Texas. more domestic livestock in town, is <laughs> okay. to help with the criminal activity. <laughs> okay, I like it. I'm I'm going to advocate for that. Okay, I'd like to see this advocation, but I'm, I'll be right behind you laughing. So. <laughs> more cows. I'll use those cows on the Chick Fil A billboards. The they look friendly. <laughs> Eat more chicken. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, it was right. a good show. It was. Van, Van's uh, great. Van is always great to talk to. That guy is, man, he he is so knowledgeable about that industry and, and just lives it. You know, he reads, and, you know, he stays current and he reads yeah. about it. He watches uh, the, the news, watches the stock markets as related to the livestock industry, but just a, a very sharp guy. So yeah, I agree. we were fortunate to have him on. I hope you have a, uh, a good weekend. Yeah. Chiefs. Go yeah. Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Nobody's going to uh, hear this in time. This is all going to be post, post back, so we'll know. Time, know. This, time this we'll podcast is posted, you'll know whether uh, the Chiefs win the you'll, Super Bowl. You'll or... know whether I'm in a corner crying or out downtown partying. That's what we'll know. There it is. There it is. <laughs> we want to thank everybody for yeah. joining us on the podcast, and we look forward to seeing you next time inside the cell ring. This episode has ended, but your journey to greatness continues. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesailring.com now. That's www.thesailring.com.